I'm Jacob Rodriguez, Editor-in-Chief of the University Star, and you're listening to a University Star podcast. Around here, when you win, it isn't good enough. You know, but when you lose, damn sure ain't good enough. So so what is good enough? You guys need to tell us what is good enough. I guess you get paid to cause controversy, but in this locker room, we're not going to help that call. You, you write that in the paper. You write that. You make money off that. You're carrying on like a legacy, like your last name, you know? The people that did this in the 80s, they weren't doing it just because, oh, they thought it was a cool hairdo. No, they were doing it because they were badass. What is up, Bobcats? Welcome back to Cats Got Our Tongues. We're now on episode 35, and we're going to change it up just a little bit for you. So I'm sports editor Claire Partain, and normally we do this thing where uh, assistant sports editor Colton McWilliams comes in and talks about baseball and softball, and then our basketball expert, Cade Andrews, comes in and talks about basketball. But we're actually going to do a round table today. So... Uh, do y'all want to say hi real quick? What's going on, everybody? <laughs> How's it going? I'm the assistant sports editor, Colton McWilliams. Uh, you can follow me at, uh, at Colton B. Mac on Twitter. You can follow me at Partain underscore Claire. And yes, I forgot to introduce myself, but I'm Kate Andrews. You can follow me at Kate underscore Andrews on Twitter. Yeah, so you're missing out if you don't follow us. Um, but yeah, this is a big episode. So b- basketball is kind of wrapping up their seasons, both men's and women's, and they both had a crazy weekend. Probably the biggest story of the week is the UTA game. It was a triple overtime thriller versus our rivals, and we won, guys. So we're second place currently. So we're going to talk about that first. Then we're going to talk about women's basketball and how they swept the weekend and are at 10th currently uh, qualifying for the Sun Belt Tournament right now. And then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, softball's weekend in California and what baseball's up to. So, yeah, y'all want to talk about the crazy UTA game real quick? Yeah, let's do it. So... Basically, we played UTA. You know, every game against them is close. Last year, we had a double overtime. This year, we lost at the buzzer. And this one just went in three overtimes. Uh, It was on ESPN, too. So if you didn't watch it, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, so it was on national television, y'all. And we got to see, you know, we thought we had it in the bag the first time around, had to go into overtime, and then it happened three other times. It was crazy. We were on the edge of our seats. I'm just glad we finally beat UTA. I was so sick and tired of, like, <laughs> just watching the basketball team, like, for the past two years. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, UT, UTA is our rival. I was like, okay. You know, the first game I hear of, you know, it's the record-breaking uh, the at Strahan, you know, the – the game that, you know, broke the regular, you know, yeah. the attendance record. Right. 6,500. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you go into the, you know, the final, you know, last season, you know, they were playing UTA, you know, on the road. And, you know, they were like, okay, there's a chance we could clinch the second, you know, from like the number one seed to like the fourth seed. We lose and we drop all the way down to the fourth seed. And it was just like, oh, this is why everybody hates UTA and like why <laughs> everyone is sick and tired of UTA. It's weird. It seems like we always have the craziest possible games against UTA. Like, for this one, the triple overtime was the first time we've done it since, what, like 2009? It's been a while, yeah. yeah. And the first time we beat them on the on the road. Since 2010. Since 2010. So, yeah, this was a big game. I don't know what y'all were doing if you weren't watching it on national television. Um, do y'all want to talk about Eric Terry real quick? Because I sure do. Yeah, Eric Terry, <laughs> career-high 30 points. Right after his career-high of, you know, 20 points last week. So, he stepped up, and let's not. He hit a big free throw to go up by two to help us seal the game. Yeah, so like he kind of like a little bit fumbled the bag for us to make us go into overtime, but then 
He came through. He came <laughs> through, and he saved us. So it kind of, like, canceled out. I was really proud of him. Yeah, Eric Terry played well. Uh, Marlon Davis played well. He he's did. He's mm-hmm. stepped up lately for injured Mason Harrell. And so Coach Casper kept him starting and just kept going with that. And yeah. We won in three overtimes, and oh my goodness, so much stress, but it was it was so much fun to watch. That was probably the most stressful game, like Texas State basketball game I've like watched since I've been here. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, I'm gonna be honest with you, like this is like I was just you know watching it on my phone. I, I actually just broke up like one of my beers in my <laughs> closet, and I was like, oh, I guess this is a great time to start drinking again. <laughs> but no, it was just crazy because like it was just everything was just so tense because you mm-hmm. everyone you know if you were a Texas State fan. You knew, like, all the shit UTA had put us through, all the heartbreakers. And, like, after the end of, like, one overtime one, overtime two, overtime three, it was like, oh, is this going to be the time, like, where Texas State chokes? And it was like, no, it actually happened. And then I think I think it was in that second overtime when Shelby Adams, like, fouls out. Yes. And it was, and it was like, with .6 seconds left, and it, we were up by, I think, like, one. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, God, this is how it ends. This is how the... This is how our season, like, basically ends right here. And then they only got the one free throw. Thank God. That was the worst moment of the game. That guy was actually, he's a 47% free throw shooter on the season. And he had made two big free throws before that. And I was like, if this guy makes all four, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. He missed the last one. And I'm like, all right, you know, third overtime. Let's go. Let's go. It it was almost like if you were, like, following the – all the Texas State Bobcat fans on like Twitter, you can almost feel the sigh of relief just like mm-hmm. let out as he missed that one free throw. And one of my favorite tweets uh, was actually by the Bobcats account, and they just said, "Wow, <laughs> that was like all it was." And I think it was after wasn't it Pearson that got fouled for like no that Im- that invisible foul <laughs> that everyone like wrecked the yeah. Sunbelt referees on. I couldn't believe they called the foul. No, it like was horrible. when you when you watch the replay, it was just like he wasn't even he, he wasn't even ten him. feet. No. Feet from like the shooter and it was just like what what did y'all see? And you mm-hmm. can see Nigel just being like the hell. <laughs> he was pissed. I would have been too. And then like Coach Casper was like pissed too. Just yeah. being like Oh my God! It was it. This game literally had everything. So much drama, and let's not let's not forget. You know, I don't mean to backtrack, but yeah. we we're we we're up by four with thirty seconds left to go in regulation. And I thought, all right, I think we won this. Yeah. And then they tied it up, and then they were up by like four with thirty seconds, three or four with thirty seconds left to go, and we came back, and sent it to a second overtime, and just. I mean, hey, we won at the end of the day, and that's all I could ask for. Yeah, that's all that really matters at the end. But it definitely like wrecked us as Bobcat fans. So yeah, going into the uh coming out of this game, we're now second in the conference. It's almost time for the tournament. So uh we're gonna talk about the South Alabama game tomorrow um and see like this is the game that determines it all with seeding in this tournament. So it's a really big deal. Yeah, I mean, it, it, everything comes down to the South Alabama game. And it's yeah. like, as stressful as it was to watch in that UTA game, this South Alabama game is probably bigger because mm-hmm. you're talking about getting a getting a bye until the semifinals, which means you're playing in New Orleans, you know, and you have only two on, you know, you can only win two games instead of, you know, playing in San Marcos, mm-hmm. having to win an extra game and then going to the semifinals. So. It's it's gonna be a really stressful time just watching that game. And I look I've looked at it a lot. There's so many tiebreakers. But if we lose to South Alabama and draw back to third and have to host a game in San Marcos, there is a possibility we may rematch against UTA. What? <laughs> As I said, there's a lot of ways. I don't know what UTA is gonna finish. I don't know what we'll yeah. finish. 
but it is a possibility. I know that. Oh, I don't think I can take another UGA game after. But no. it would be here in San Marcos. And we've always had a good crowd against UTA. Truth. So if we don't beat South Alabama, you know, that sucks. But we will still have a great time here in San yeah. Marcos. It's not the end of the world because then we get another home game. Yeah, it's so. almost like a win-win. Of course, I would rather just beat South Alabama. Yeah. Especially because mm-hmm. they beat us last year going in the tournament. Mm-hmm. I just have these, you know, statistics memorized. But <laughs> they beat us last year going in the tournament. I really feel like that hurt momentum. So this is kind of momentum going into the tournament. So do y'all know why we only play South Alabama once this season? Like, what what's up with that scheduling? We play every other team twice. We play we play we only play Troy once. Oh, so shit. the way it's scheduled okay. is every team plays every team twice, except for you know two teams from the same state. They play them once. So for example, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, they only play the Arkansas teams once. Okay. So for us, it was at the Alabama teams once this year. Okay, I was really confused about that because I kind of forgot about South Alabama until yeah. this week. Yeah. You know they were actually favored to win the Sun Belt, and it looked rough for them at first, but now they have won six in a row, and they're they're fighting. They're they're going well. I mean, you could say the Sun Belt like tur- title in like going into a com- in conference tournament. It's you could say like it's really wide open between uh, yeah about about five six teams. Definitely. Like you got Little Rocket, then you got you know us, and then you got the two Georgia schools. You know Georgia Southern, Georgia State. And then you got South Alabama, who's just been you know the preseason favorite, but you know didn't really show us like they were the ultimate yeah, favorite. And- as last year shows, you cannot count on UTA because they no. made the conference championship. So it'll be fun. Yes. Yeah. A lot of uncertainty, a lot of excitement. So, yeah, we'll just see what happens uh, and see if we get another home game or if we advance to the semifinals. Like Kate said, that's a win-win. And speaking of wins, let's talk about women's basketball real quick. So women's basketball swept the weekend. It seems like things are finally looking up for them. They beat uh, Georgia Southern and Georgia State. Kate and I were at the kids' game. How did you feel about watching this with like oh, thirty five hundred kids? I mean, it was it was ridiculous. <laughs> when they you know tell the crowd to get loud, those kids will scream. Yeah. And it was it wasn't just loud, but it's just the frequency. It was high pitched. Mm-hmm. It was screeching. But I mean, it was fun. The energy was there. Third largest crowd in Strahan. So it you know, and we won. So and then we beat Georgia State. So it was a good a good weekend for women's basketball. Yeah, like with these two wins, they're basically back into the conference title. Yeah, I mean the conference tournament, tournament race. Yeah. You know, they they I think we're like a half game up on uh, Georgia State after the two wins, and I think we've won like four of our last five games this year. So like it's a big turnaround from like going like starting the conference. You know. Conference season at like zero and seven. Yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, eventually like zero and eight. Um, but yeah, I think out of the past, ever since the UTA win, I think I don't know how many games it's been, but I know we've won more than we've lost. So that's like a really big. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we got Louisiana Monroe. I'm just kind of I don't know why I'm jumping ahead. But we got yeah, Louisiana. We go. got Louisiana Monroe and Louisiana Lafayette. Louisiana Monroe is at the bottom of the conference, so hopefully that wins and helps mm-hmm. us stay in position and make the conference tournament and this is you know this is a young team so they've really they've really stepped it up over the years yeah or over the weeks yeah over the season they've like it seems like we've watched them grow into collegiate basketball players i mean we already had bailey and brooke holly and we can talk about them for a second because they had their senior night on saturday so like those guys were kind of the leaders especially at the beginning brooke was really the one as the one starter from last season and Bailey had made an appearance in each game that season before too. So 
they were got kind of like the ones that stayed consistent for the team, and then we just watched the freshmen and sophomores like Denasia Hood come up and really be like these great players. Yeah, it, it was kind of – I think we knew like it was going to be a rough go for like yeah. the women's basketball team because considering the fact like uh, – Brooke was like the only starter. Yep. Like no one had li- had never started a game like mm-hmm. before Brooke and you're seeing like a lot of the, you know, a lot of these young players like Kennedy Taylor stepping up. You got Denasia Hood sta- stepping yep. up. Like all these young players are like stepping up and it's like really important because now they're like it sucks like, you know, Brooke and Bailey have done a lot for this program. I mean, Coach Z basically, you know, they're like it's almost like they're kids when she She loves them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, heartbreaking, like, they're kind of struggling at the season, but that's kind of where they were at. Yeah. Because there's so many young players. But in the end, this is going to help, like, this women's team become better because you got all these young people just playing their hearts out. And, like, they're sh- now they're showing success mm-hmm. at the end of the season. Now it's going to be, like, you know, looking to the future. Like, it looks like our women's basketball team's, like, in good hands. Yeah, for real. Uh, I, you know, I'm gonna vouch for you on that. They've definitely had their struggles over the season. They've had seven times where they went in the fourth quarter with a lead and still lost. So they've always fought with every team. You know, there's mm-hmm. only one game where they just lost. They lost to Troy by 30. That's the only game that you could really look at and say, okay, well, they just were, Troy was better than us. But uh, every team they've competed with. And I think they can continue to compete these last two games. Um, a cool stat that I just want to bring up that I saw yesterday is that Kennedy Taylor actually is number one in the conference for, for assists. So that's actually oh. really cool. I didn't, you know, that surprised me, but I, I, I could believe that because I, I think she had, like, I think she had almost 10 assists this weekend. Yeah, I think she, like, was the top one this weekend. So, yeah, she's the number one in the Sun Belt. So that's pretty cool for assists. Um, but, yeah, it's been really cool to see them grow and then, like like we said, they're they've got the second chance at riding their season because they're about to hopefully stay qualified for the Sun Belt tournament. The top team ten teams go, and we're the tenth place team, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I think it would be really great. You know, it's not only for like you know Brooke and Bailey, you know, to finish the season, you know, in the conference tournament, you know, and not missing out, but also for these young players to gain like another game of experience. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to you know, experience playing in the conference tournament. So, yeah, it's a really – it would be really great if, like, they, you know, they finish out the season strong, you know, beating, you know, a bad team in Monroe. Because yeah. I don't think our Texas State's bad as Monroe. I don't think so either. No, because, like, in our losses, we were always in those games. You know, we had the lead for – you know, for and then it finally just kind of sh- – you know, collapse. Yeah. But that's kind of what young teams do. They're just so inexperienced. They kind of have these up-and-down moments – and that it now that we've kind of like the ship is kind of like steady, it shows like okay they finally got this thing under control and now they can finish the season strong and they could potentially like upset a lot of teams going into the tournament. So it's just, it's just like this team could do something really special. They just need to keep up their momentum. Yeah, just one game at a time. Keep going. Uh, keep passing the ball. The Nasia Hood can knock down some threes. Kenny Taylor can get inside. Jayla Johnson has even stepped up as well. She's been doing really well off the bench. That's really cool to see. But, yeah, so, like, both of these basketball teams, like we said, they're kind of at different places in the conference, but they're both doing really well to close out this regular season. Um, And then another team that's just about to actually start their Sunbelt regular season is softball. So that's crazy. It came up kind of a surprise. I know. It was... Like when I when we were talking about it on Monday, I was like, "Do they go? The, the, is there Georgia State series this weekend?" Yeah. We looked. I was like, "Oh, 
crap, yeah. It all happened so fast. Mm-hmm. You know, softball, you know, it was actually a rough week, yeah. weekend for softball. You know, they, and I don't blame them because, like, you're going into a new environment in California. You know, they've been to so many of these tournaments, and they're not playing, you know, just these slaws, you know, teams. These are, like, really decent teams. And you kind of saw that in that tournament. You know, Utah State isn't no uh, sham. You know, UC Davis, you know, competes mm-hmm. on a regular basis. You know, they come out of that seat, you know, that tournament winning three games and losing two. And it's – and I think Coach Woodard said, said in that, inter, you know, that interview with us just – she was just disappointed. Like, we could have done better. But at the same time, we didn't, like, flat out blow – you know, blow it. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like the first bad week for the softball team. So it wasn't that worrying to me. But I saw what she was saying. Like, she really wasn't happy with – you know, how the offense was doing throughout the tournament. Yeah, especially in that Utah State game because they left seven seven base runners, you know, like those are like seven potential runs and they didn't yeah. do anything with it. And kind of combined that with like the defense was just kind of out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. There was a wild pitch that led, you know, Utah State the score. Then an error led to another, you know, score for, for the Aggies. And it was just like that's two runs. And like they lost four to two. Yeah. So – yeah, it is disappointing, but then they came back against UC Davis, you know, five runs in the first inning, and it was just like everything's back on track. Yeah, that was their their best offensive game and just best game in general for the tournament, I think. And didn't she say there was like 14 hits that game? And then Yeah, it was like 14. Like, that was probably their best offensive performance in that tournament after yeah. that one game. Kind of, they had that stinker, you know, they, it was like they finally got it out of their system and just beat the crap out of UC Davis. And, Mm-hmm. And she wasn't that disappointed in the uh, second loss to UC Davis because she said they they're not used to those two games. Yeah, especially on, on a doubleheader on a Sunday, that's mm-hmm. really out of the normal. Because like even in their previous tournaments, they played uh Tol- played Tulsa on a Sunday in the Baylor Invitational, then played a I think finished it out with like St. Louis, no Wichita State that yeah. Sunday, and then you know in that Florida tournament they played the U.S. Olympic team on that Sunday too. So yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be too, too. I wouldn't take that loss like to granted just because like they did play twice on Sunday and that ne- you never see that happen. And plus, you know, Coach Woodard's been beating these guys up. She's been taking them across the country, tournament after tournament, no three game series, five games a weekend. She's been and making them play against some like top teams. Yeah, I think I recounted it and it was like five top twenty-five teams. Yeah, like Baylor, Kentucky, Auburn, and what was the other one? I think it was like Minnesota, the team that we Minnesota. beat in in, uh, in Waco. So it was just, yeah, it's been, they've been through the rigor. <laughs> yeah, she did not play around when it came to making this preseason schedule. So. I think overall, like, that wasn't a great weekend, but I think overall we've seen a lot of potential from these guys. Yeah, and there's, like, two different ways to look at it. We did go 3-2 and two this weekend. I mean, these are all teams we could have beat. We should have gone 5-0. and oh. Yeah. But at the same time, this shows that the level of competition this team has played at has risen and the expectations have gone up. Definitely. Because if we're looking at 3-2 and two and think, oh, we should have, you know, done better, that's good. We're not satisfied with three and two. So that shows how good this team has really gotten. Yeah, that's super true. Like, we really have a high standard for these guys just because we've seen them do good so far this season, and we just know that they, they're able to play a really yeah, good Yeah, I think that I think that's good. They've set such a high standard because, like, I feel like the thing that ruins Texas State Athletics is, like, there's such a level of meteorocrity <laughs> that kind of runs to – it's just like, oh, we just need to get that the minimum. Yeah. And, like, it's awesome seeing, like, you know, softball and volleyball. Like, no, we don't want that. We want to set, like, the standard. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I loved about, you know, 
kind of Coach Wittich's mentality is like, yeah, we're disappointed because we didn't win all five games, and that's a, what we want to do every single time. So, Yeah. So, like we said, um, they're starting their conference season this weekend against Georgia State. Right before that, they're playing Corpus, A&M Corpus here on Wednesday. So, show up. Yeah, yeah, I know it's a school day, and like it's sometimes it's hard, but like the ticket, you know, the games are free for us. Like you just show your ID to the to the ticket people, and you'll get in for free. But like this team is good. Like when I say good, like yes, this team is like really, really, really good, and they need y'all support because you know women's sports don't get like a lot of support just because like oh it's just you know the women are not as good. You know all the misogynistic the stereotypes. Yeah, yeah the stereotypes and all of that, you know, bull crap, and it's, so like, come support these girls, like, they are, one, like, they're some of the best softball players, like, in the conference, you know, let alone the state, so they need all your support. Plus, it's Women's History Month, so if you're not You're kind of recommended to go <laughs> at least attend one softball game. If you don't go to every single women's game that's here, you're sexist for the whole month of March. <laughs> I said it here, okay, right, I'll we, be watching. We don't make the rules. <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, baseball real quick. So they went three and one on two and one on the weekend. Yeah, they won their won the weekend series, winning two games out of the three. You know, going on the road playing against Houston, and you know Houston, you know it was kind of crazy because did y'all hear all the stories about the water leakage that was going on in Houston? What? Yeah, there was a pipeline that burst down in Houston, and it was just like, oh crap! And then like at the game, they were having to do like. They're having to, like, adjust all this while they were playing the, all the concession stands and, like, all the restrooms <laughs> and all that stuff while they were trying to play this three-game series. So that was actually kind of like a secret story that kind of went under the radar. I didn't hear about that at all. That's really funny. But, yeah, so this week we actually saw two different Houston teams. So on Wednesday we played Rice. We won 9-2 to two here in San Marcos. And then we went to Houston and played U of H. And honestly, these games were interesting to me because, like, I saw the first game and we won 11 to 10, right? So, like, that was, like, a close one. And then 1 to 5, like, super low-scoring game. And then we were back, like, crazy to finish out the series and went 12 and 4. No, they almost blew that uh, Friday game because they were mm-hmm. actually up, like, 11 to 4. And then Houston scores, you know, six runs in the in the bottom of the ninth. But then we, I think Zachary Lake comes in and then finally shuts. Saved us. Saved <laughs> Finally saved us. But, no, watching this team and, like, the pitching stuff, it's kind of, you know, besides that one, you know, ninth inning like the pitching staff's been doing really well yeah like as we talk about it you know we've been talking about it on the on the show just we were so concerned about the pitching staff going into the season because they were literally replacing everybody you know Brent Haybert was probably about the only one that can't you know that was starting and then you know Zachary Lee you know is the close no, I think we're first. Zachary yeah. Lee's been the starter, and Brayton Haybear's been the closer. Mm-hmm. And so you've got one starter, and now you've got a rotation, just like who's going to step up. And, you know, we've had a lot of young pitchers, you know, step up. You know, Cameron Bush has been one of them. And, you know, uh, Tony Roby has been another one. So they've been, like, and a bunch of soft, you know, just a bunch of freshmen and sophomores just stepping up to the, you know, stepping up to the plate and just, Produce, at least, you know, not throwing shutouts every single time because, you know, that's almost an impossible standard. But at least keeping the game close enough so, like, the offense has been 
so the offense can score. And you've been seeing that through all the week. I mean, the offense has just been on fire. You know, besides that one game, you know, they've been scoring many runs. And it isn't just like home run after home run. It's just, no, they're just connecting with the ball and just trying to make hits. And, and when you just focus on trying to make hits, you're going to be able to produce so many runs than just hitting, you know, just solid home runs. I think that's the difference between this year and last year. Last year just felt like, oh, we can just hit it with, like, a home run and then it'll be over. Yeah. This year it just feels like they're just connecting with the ball, not trying to hit home runs, but just trying to get that base hit. Yeah, it seems like it's more about consistency. You know, you see, like, single, single, <laughs> double, single. Maybe a home run mixed in there, mm-hmm. but like yeah, like you said, it's like a more consistent offensive performance. It just yeah, it adds more to the table. You get you know have a sacrifice fly score there. Maybe Sen got one guy you know to second uh, second base. Mm-hmm. He gets a double, so it just gives us more options, which I really like. So we we're facing a pretty big team. Uh, actually, today. Baylor. Baylor. Yeah, as we are recording this, they are going to the road against Baylor, which is going to be. You know, the Houston, you know, just following, like, the Houston team, the Houston team has been struggling a bit. Yeah. So you could say, like, this will be the biggest game. Like, tech, I think this is going to be a really big test to see how do they compete against Baylor because, like, Baylor is a Big 12 team. They are, like, you know, consistently competing for the Big 12 title with, like, your Texases and your, you know, Techs. And so it's just going to be how how's this team going to compete? Or is the pitching staff, you know, especially for a young pitching staff. Yeah. Because we're the young pitchers are probably going to come in, and it's going to be in an environment, you know, wait, you know, going up to Waco. You know, it's not a far drive. You know, you're just going up I-35. Mm-hmm. So it'd be a really good test for this young team, seeing how they respond to like, you know, probably their the biggest name opponent this season. Yeah, for sure. Like I think we have to make sure that the pitchers, these these young pitchers, don't get intimidated because it's such a big school, mm-hmm. and just you know keep doing what they've been doing because they've been doing well. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Baylor, they're playing in about 10 minutes or so. So it should be fun to watch. It's on ESPN+, Plus. so best believe I'll be tuning into that later. Do y'all know anything about Bethune, Bethune Cookman? It is a historical black co- college down at in Florida. Oh, okay. Do you know anything about their baseball team? Not a whole lot about the baseball team, but I think if I think for this weekend – you know, it's going to be another home game series for Texas State. I think I want to see them, like, finally sweep, kind of finally get the brooms out, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't know too much about Bennett Cookman, but I don't – you know, it's not like playing, a, you know, a Houston or, like, a Baylor okay. or probably about a Lamar team because Lamar was actually pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to compete for that Southland uh, championship. So I think I want to see this team, like – you know, they went – you know, they've been on a consistent series, you know – being consistent about, like, winning these two-game series, which is, to be honest, I think that was a lot better than what everybody was kind of expecting. So if they, can, if they can nail that sweep, I think it will be, like, a big step for, forward for this program because they haven't sweeped anybody this season. Mm-hmm. So getting the sweep will set the – can I set the right – you know, get this team going in the right direction. Yeah, nothing less than a sweep. So <laughs> that's what we expect. We want these high standards to keep on coming. We're doing pretty well so far, so let's see what happens. Um, in other news, today was the first uh, football practice. Y'all want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, spring practice finally. You know, football season. You know, you know, just you know, ended in fall season, but now we're back at it again. Mm-hmm. But no, it's it's almost like a new. You're talking about a new identity with this like football team because Bob State is gone. You know, uh, Gress Jensen is gone. So now... Brian London is gone. Yeah, and you're talking about the defense who, 
who's basically you're literally replacing everybody on the defense. So now the question now it's all about let's get this offense up and going because like the offense is probably going to have to be the strength of this team now. There's no more relying on your Brian Londons, mm-hmm. you know, no more on your Ish Davises, no more of like the having the de- rely on the defense. The offense needs to take a step up, and that's why you saw that recruiting, you know. The start, you know, we're now are you seeing like Brady McBride finally after kind of in that purg- you know transfer purgatory hell, uh, you know coming back from Memphis, and now we're seeing Kim take snaps. Now we're seeing like all these young receivers, you know, um, Jacob Horn, you know, the, you know son of Joe Horn, and like all these young wide receivers that Jacob Peeler recruited, starting to take faults. So and now it's going to be like how how's this offense going to gel? Joe, with, you know, Coach Bavadol now playing, you know, play calling for the first time since, you know, since coming here to Texas State. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I feel kind of like this is the first time that Spavadol feels like this is kind of his team. And Peeler coming in, and he did really well with the recruiting mm-hmm. and stuff. So what do you think about that? I thought Peeler was probably a great hire mm-hmm. on the, you know, he, for m- most people didn't know he was at Ole Miss, you know, the wide receivers coach. And he coached, you know, A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans, D- D.K. Metcalf from the Seattle Seahawks. All of those were all Ole Miss wide receivers that he coached. And, you know, there was a thing, you know, if you follow college football, you heard the term like nasty wideouts. You know, the NWO belt that Ole Miss was carrying, it has officially came here to Texas State. So now we're going to see, you know, he brought all, you know, he recruited really well at Ole Miss because he brought a lot, you know, Ole Miss, you know, Mississippi's not, you know, your Alabama, your LSU, or your A&M in the SEC, you know. You have to recruit hard, and in in being able to recruit, you know, he brought a lot of Texas talent to Mississippi, and now he's going to be able to, you know, San Marcos is probably an easier sell to get people to go to Mississippi. So now, and you saw the season with the recruiting process. He's, he brought in, you saw, you know, Peeler and like Spavadol bringing in all these three-star recruits. And and you think like, oh, why all these three-star recruits? Why is it so big? Texas State has never brought in so many three-star recruits. <laughs> like this recruiting class, you know, if you look at the ratings by 24-7 sports, it's literally the best one they've ever brought in. So now you're, you're actually seeing Spavadol and Peeler bringing in higher quality players that have, come, that have came to Texas State since they've made the jump to FBS. Like, it, it kind of, it, you kind of have to point the finger like, well, why hasn't this been happening before? But now since, you know, Peeler and Spavadol, just, now they finally get that ball rolling. And now the most important part is, like, now we need to develop these players to compete in the Sunbelt Conference. Yeah, see, I agree. I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, I'm excited about the recruits. I feel like this team has potential. Here's the thing, though. Coach Spav, he, he said the difference between this year's team and last year's team was the difference between day and night. How does he know that exactly? They haven't been in pads yet. I'm not saying I'm doubting him. I'm just saying how does he know that? But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I really hope they are better because, obviously, the past couple of years it's been, you know, what what we, you know, not what we're used to. Or it's it's not what we wanted to see. So, as you said, player development, that's that's really the key. We got the recruits. We got the talent. Now can we do something with it? Kate came in as the devil's advocate <laughs> just now. <laughs> but, no, you know, I saw the, you know, we, when we talked to Spavadol about uh, this night and day team, I think the offensive production, because, you know, all the offense was basically everything left over from the Withers era. 
you know, Tyler Vid, and then I think like uh, Anthony Brown, and like all these running backs and wide receivers were just kind of left over. And it was just like, well, Spavio just looking at the pieces and Coach Stitt, you know, as much as we talk about not, you know, offensive coordinator, you know, Bob Stitt as an offensive innovator, you know, he really didn't do his job. Like, no. you literally bring in your guy you had at Montana, you know, and then when you bring him in here, he just kind of falls flat. Yeah. So that's what he talks – when he talks about night and day, it's literally you're seeing an entire offensive turnover. Like, the running back – you know, the starting running back is probably going to be from the one of the recruits. Quarterback is probably going to be Brady McBride. Wide receivers, it's probably going to be, like, Jacob Horn or, you know, Zion Childress. And it's just like you're seeing, like, so much turnover with this offense. You know, even all linemen. You know, we recently got, like, Silas Robinson, you know – uh, transfer from Arkansas coming here. So it's just, that's what he means by like night and days. Like we're literally having a whole offensive turnover during the off season. You get wins and I'll, I'll believe you. I'll take your word for it. That's, you know, I, I really think Coach Spav is, you know, getting it together here, but hey, we just need to see some wins and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I think Cade and like most Bobcat fans are, I'm just, are feeling a little jaded. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten my hopes up before, so I'm yeah. not I'm not gonna do it this time. Yeah, we're like we have like some trauma from the past. So like when we hear night and day we think, Oh, like what are you what do you really mean by that? Let, let's see it. Let's yeah, see what happens. Let's see what happens. But you know, seeing these recruits and seeing him talk like this, you can't help but get a little bit hopeful. So Yeah, I'm excited for sure. All right, do y'all have anything else to talk about? I feel like we kinda covered all the bases here. Yeah, like I said, you know, we talked about UTA, you know, big, probably, you know, we talked about this, er, you know, on Monday, we talked about this could, was possibly like the biggest win in Texas State history. No, no, <laughs> Jacob is literally, no, that's a lie. Our biggest win was over Rice one year ago today, volleyball in the NCAA tournament, okay? This was a Sun Belt game. It was a great Sun Belt game. You're talking about the biggest one in Texas State basketball history? Or no, Texas State? So we had this, you know, me you know, me and Andrew and Jacob and Claire were talking about this with this UTA win, is this like the biggest victory since we made the jump to the Sun Belt? Like in pro like in athletic history. They meant the whole everything. Oh, it's uh that's a little bit of a stretch there. <laughs> I also thought it was because, ridiculous. Because when I thought about it, it's like, well, we finally beat UTA. Maybe the most satisfying? You could probably classify that. I think it was that. probably the most satisfying victory. But the way I saw it, it was just, you know, this was on the national stage. It was on ESPN2. So, like, we had, like, a majority of the audience yeah. turning into, you know, us, you know, playing UTA. Combine that with, like, a three-overtime game. Combine, like, the fact, like... Like, there was so much, like, stuff going into it. Like, I do agree the volleyball winning the NCAA tournament was big. Yeah. The, my only critique is, like, when they were in the Southland, you know, they were always you were they were they always going to the Sun Belt, you know, the NCAA tournament because there is no. True. So, like, the only reason I thought it was big because when they, like, when they made to the Sun Belt, they had, now you got, like, now you're getting national exposure. Like, like, I don't. I'm not going to take away from the women's, like, NCAA victory because that was huge. That was, yeah. like, one of the biggest, you know, things to happen in Texas State history. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying from, like, the perspective, like, what this means for us, like, on a national stage. Being on a national network with so many eyes tuning in. 
It's March, Colton. <laughs> Don't take this away from us. No, I'm kidding. I agree with y'all on the fact that this is definitely the most publicity that a game think, has gotten. Yes. Probably. I mean, I don't know the stats, but I would guess that this is a win with the most publicity. Yeah, and I'm going to add this right before we go. I just think it was really cool how it did go in a three-hour time. So people who are probably going to tune into Sports Center ended up tuning into our game. So that, that's that's really uh-huh. cool. And they were also, this was cool to find out, they showed it at, you know, most of the bars here in San Marcos. Though, so you did find out that they were yeah, showing it? Yeah, the, yeah. I asked two of my friends. They're at two different bars. They said they were showing it there, so... So, see, we do have fans out there. Look we at do. Us. We do. We have to search for them, but we got them. Yeah. And hopefully it'll just keep going up from here with stuff like that. Yeah, that's the plan. All right. So, with all these things we were talking about, if you want even more information, we've got it on the University Star this week's issue. It's a pretty cool issue. It helps you out with voting. Please vote today. But it also has everything about uh, um, base. Well, it actually doesn't have baseball, but look online for that. It has softball, uh both men's and women's basketball. And then there's some stuff about the track indoor championship too. So check that out. Uh, Once again, thank y'all for listening. I'm Claire Partain, the sports editor. Kate Andrews, sports reporter. And Colt Mike Williams, uh, assistant sports editor. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, catch y'all next week.